Hello and welcome to the media outreach of Faith Alive Ministries. For over 30 years, Faith Alive Ministries has continued to answer the call to teach God's people how to live in this world. This charismatic teaching ministry has current bases of operation in both Oklahoma and Arizona. We are honored to share the gospel in the northeastern Oklahoma prison system, as well as in church gatherings and evangelistic outreaches around the country. We believe the message you're about to hear will inspire and encourage you and empower you to live the abundant life God has for you. Join with us now as we receive from the Word of God. Glory to God. Brother Rick, come bring us the Word. Sister Jody has prepared us, telling us, He that has ears to hear, let him hear, so we are ready for you. God bless you. You got them on already now? <laughs> you, uh, you got your Ferengi ears on? You don't know what Ferengi ears on? <laughs> All right. We're going to have fun today. I got a good word. I'm excited about sharing good, good Bible study, good day meetings like this, or a good time to get good studies in the word. Um, and it's going to be very powerful. I'm, I'm, I'm so in love with this gospel you know, I would just, as we were worshiping, I would just stand there saying, Lord, I just, you know, see, I, I believe, I know that um, I'm walking in, we're walking in a progressive revelation of a finished work. You understand that? And that's why you still grow in it and it gets better and better. But the work is Jesus did was finished. I love the work of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection. And... <clears throat> For a while, I didn't know, realize it was a finished work, so I thought God was still doing something in my life or, or in the world that he hadn't finished yet, but the truth is I see that he had finished it, but we're just getting a, a clearer revelation of it, and as we do, we we automatically begin to walk more in, in the results of that finished work. I was thinking of, well, I want to get into a study on... <laughs> On, on, on spiritual warfare, and don't be scared by the title here because y'all y'all know would probably know what direction I'll go with it. But um, uh, not long ago, I was invited to speak in a conference, and um, the the conference was titled um, "Destroying the Works of the Enemy." Well, I don't know if they knew me as well as they thought they did, but I I think they were destroyed <laughs> already. <laughs> And so, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not going to be, have much of a word for them to, you know, to tell them how it destroys something that hasn't been destroyed when it has. But anyway, I had great freedom to, to speak there, had a lot of fun and, 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 and brought it out, some of it out this way, where I went back to, to uh, Genesis and, and I'm actually, I'm going to read in a little bit out of Numbers 21. And, uh, but but I, I, I remember going back to Genesis, and I said, okay, you know, and I'm, I, come, I show up in the middle of a conference. I don't know what's been spoken before or what's going to come after me with another speaker. And they had some pretty big-name speakers there. And uh, <clears throat> so I said, you know, really, I mean, let's look at the truth here. And let's go back to the beginning of, you know, where we see uh, the devil's activity in our lives, in mankind. And, you know, as we look at it, what we see really, when we look at the Bible, we see the only work or the only tool the devil really has that's mentioned in the Bible is um, accusation, deceit, uh, slander, you know. He's in fact, he's called the accuser of the brethren. 
You know, I, uh, the devil has ne never physically punched me where it knocked me physically down. Um, even if there was, even if there's sickness or, or different kinds of things that we call attacks. I, someone asked us the other, not too long ago, just a week or two ago, said, Don't, do you guys ever come under attack? It doesn't look like you guys ever come under attack. And I've been under attack like all the time for years. And, and you know, and, and our first answer was, was, yeah, but then, you know, because what we were trying to say is we deal with problems just like you do, you know. Sometimes they're worse, sometimes they're not as bad, but we deal with issues in life. We have challenges, we have problems in life, but we don't think of them as attacks anymore, um, you know, because uh, it, it, there's a finished work. But And, and all that would, we have, would work would be deception, so it's the truth that makes us free. So all we want to know is let's know the truth of Jesus and what he is and what he really means to us, and let's enjoy this freedom that we have and just walk in and out of situations that we that that we encounter in this life in power and in victory of the gospel you know god said my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge Amen. And the wonderful thing that the Holy Spirit does in our life is he shows us the truth. And that, that's where we get the, the knowledge of truth. And that's what we have to know. The truth is what makes us free. And we go back to, when we go back to Genesis, we see that there was the serpent in the garden, right? And that's where this, all the bad stuff started. Right there, you know, everything looked really nice and pretty until now the serpent <laughs> was the most subtle beast of the beast of the field. And he said, and that word serpent, if you ever looked it up, it's the word, it's the Hebrew word, um, nakash. And uh, that word that, that that word means to hiss. It means to uh, whisper. In fact, in Strong's it says to whisper a magic spell, to prognosticate, to divine prognosticate. That's sort of that's to make a prediction. You know, that's where you get the that's where you you get the thoughts that say, well, now that I've got this, I'm going to die. Uh, the prognostication. You're never going to have this much. You're never going to be able to do this much. You're, here's the prognostication. And, it, and it's always based upon what you can't be or can't do or what you're missing, what you're lacking. Now, look back at that in the beginning. And, uh, you know, that's what, what's going on with Eve. There was this whispering going on. And it, let me use the definition, it, it sort of, it, it put us under a spell there. It put it put Eve under a spell, and it's like, hmm, I know God said this, but it really does look good. And I think now, contrary to what I'd heard before from God, I think it really will make me like God, make me like he is. I think it will make me wise. And so she's taken into this other arena of, 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 of thought and in action. Now, the word devil in the New Testament, and it's, it's a lot in the New Testament, devil, devil, devil. The word devil is the word diabolos, and you know, in Spanish it's very close, diablo, but it's actually a Greek word, and it's two words put together, diabolos. Dia means the way or the channel. Balos means uh, to cast or to throw. Now, many years ago, I remember looking up the definition, opened up my big, thick Strong's Concordance, looked up the word devil, and here's what Strong's said. It means diabolos, traducer. Well, that makes it crystal clear, right? Now you know he's a traducer. <laughs> What's a traducer? Never heard that word before in my life. Never heard it used, never seen it written in anything, and that's his definition. That's, that's you know, this is going to help me, <laughs> you know. What is a traducer? So then, of course, i got to go to Webster, and traducer means means 
the one who transfers from one place to another. And I had never heard a teaching like that. And I thought, what? And I, I didn't even know how that would even apply to this devil, word devil. One who transfers from one place to another. And then, you know, after studying, you know, later on and through the years, I would, I would you know, read some of his writings and things, and I would find out that Dr. Strong, the reason he used this word traducer was because of the definition of the, of, of, of the words themselves. Why this word was used back in those days for devil, and he was called the one who takes from one place to the other, or diabolos, the way or the channel by which something is cast or thrown through. Now look at it this way, um, and it'll make more sense. In the beginning, <laughs> there we go back to that serpent, and he's speaking, whispering, working magic through thoughts and words. And uh, what happens is, here we are in the Garden of Eden, right? Walking with God. Everything God made was good. We're naked and no shame. There's no shame. And, and we're naked, vulnerable. Through this whole action with the, the, the deception, the lie of the serpent, the accusation of the accuser, we get taken into a different type of existence. Now, our eyes open. We're still naked. But now we're ashamed where we weren't ashamed before. Something changed. A transfer happened. And we know a transfer happened because thousands of years later, Jesus came and he transferred us back. He translated us out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his son. So, so there was a, 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 a transfer that happened and Jesus transferred us back, right? So there was that, sh that, that movement that happened. He was the traducer. He was the way that got us from one place to the other. And it wasn't a good place, we found out. But now we have shame in this thing. And God, you know, the, the, God's walking in the cool of the day and says, Adam, where are you? Now, think about this. Adam was still in the garden. <laughs> he could have said, I'm in the garden. <laughs> Hello, I'm getting the garden. But it, his answer was, when he said, Adam, where are you? He says, I hid myself because I'm naked and I was afraid and I was ashamed. And God said, who told you that? You had to have gotten that knowledge of good and evil. That's the only way you could, have, you could think like that. That's the only way you could feel that shame. That's the only way you could feel fear was you had to have gotten the knowledge of good and evil because you've been naked all this time. I didn't tell you that. I didn't say anything about it. I didn't point out what was wrong with you. I don't do that. Only the knowledge of good and evil will do that to you. And I told you not to do it because it would kill you. And we got transferred into this other realm. So we're from that very time. And that was the time. That was the point when hell on earth began for mankind. And that was the point ever since then, up until Jesus, and to those who are ignorant of it still, we've operated on that knowledge of good and evil, of trying to become good, come as gods with that knowledge, be godlike, Christ-like, be good, be perfect as he is perfect, which was commanded in the New Testament, but he didn't say the knowledge of good and evil is going to do it for you. All our religion has been based on it. Hmm? Be gooder, be better, get stronger, walk cleaner, and stay away from this other stuff, the evil, the bad. Fix what's wrong. Adam, you're naked. 
fix it. Sew fig leaves together, puts his, covers himself up with fig leaves. The Bible said they made coverings. I don't think it was like the pictures where they just had one leaf covering apart. They said they sewed leaves together and they made coverings. And they, but the interesting thing was even though they've got clothes now, it's made out of leaves, but they're covered with clothes, but they still were ashamed of their nakedness. Isn't that interesting? And they hid, even though now their physical body parts are covered, they still feel naked because nothing that man's ever been able to do has been able to cover up the shame and the fear that comes because of operating by the knowledge of good and evil. There were two trees in the midst of the garden. The other one was the tree of life. It's interesting that when John the Baptist was preparing the way for Jesus, he says, now the ax is laid to the root of the tree. Wow. And Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. I've come now to let you eat of that tree that you never got to eat of. And you don't need that other one anymore because you see that's not the way. <laughs> now just come to me and don't let it be about the knowledge of good and evil. Let it be about life as it was, where it wasn't about you, it was all about me. That's why we didn't care. That's why we weren't ashamed. That's why we weren't afraid, because it wasn't about us. We didn't even know about us. We weren't even that conscious of us. We were conscious of God and his life and his goodness and all that he made. But it was when we got that knowledge when it became about us. Now we're self-consciousness, self-conscious. Now we're self-ish. Now we're self-centered. And even with our best intentions, what we try to do in the world is we try to make ourselves better. And the way that it's mostly done is that we try to attack what's wrong, like Adam did. I tried to attack his nakedness. I used to hear it in Christianity a lot, and it sounds so right. You know, they say, you've got to attack your lack with the word of God. And it made so much sense to me because I still have that knowledge of good and evil. You've got to attack the sin in your life. Attack the sickness. Attack it. Attack it. Attack it. But what we're doing is we're looking at the wrong thing. He said, I just came to give you life. I didn't come to condemn. I didn't come to point out what was wrong. You see, the knowledge of good and evil put us into a condition that was not based upon the abundance and goodness of God anymore. It was based upon our lack, what we lack. What we hear in church a lot of times, what the church ought to be doing, what we need to be doing, what we need, what we need, what we need. And it's all based upon this lack, or I call it lust, sense of need, having a passion. And, and so we think what we need to do is we just need to stir up passion more. If we can just get more passionate where we can just jump higher or something, you know, dance longer. If we can just get more zeal, more, more passion, more fire, we think that that's the answer. And it's a, you can be very, very passionate. God said uh, Israel was passionate. <laughs> Israel had zeal, but... It was not after the right kind of knowledge. The beauty of the gospel, there's a shift. You haven't seen it yet. It's happening. There's a shift in the body of Christ that's happening. There is unveiling that's happening that is kind of shocking some of us because we all thought God was good. But when we're looking at some of this, we're like, wow, can you really be that good? Can you be absolute love like that? Can you be absolute good? And is that good enough to make the changes necessary? That's the hard part is trusting that. Adam and Eve didn't trust that. I've got to do something about this. Hmm. 
You see, because the way it works, what Jesus did was he translated us back. He translated us out of, delivered us out of the kingdom of darkness and transferred us, translated us, translocated us into the kingdom of the Son of God, of the Son of his love, we know what translation says, love. He brought us home. And that's why I so often say, welcome home, because you're there. You got there, not because you got so good, but he, he did it. But you couldn't do because you were, weren't good enough, or you tried so hard. And you, but God did by giving his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, right? And so he did it all. That's why I love the beauty of this gospel. And I feel like a, being in ministry so long, I'm so excited about getting more and more just Christ-centered and getting down to this, the, the, the simplicity of the gospel of Christ and finding out that it's more powerful than all the complicated things that I oohed and odd people with when I was the best, a much better teacher than I am now. <laughs> wow. And it becomes so much more powerful and personal because it becomes the automatic walk. I'm telling you, the faith becomes more just like natural as breathing. You can't help but believe because he loves you so much. He's so good. You can't help but expect. It's a natural fruit. You can't help but have peace. It just happens. Man, I used to try to have peace. Try to talk myself into it. Calm down, mind. Have peace. Peace. Peace be still. Peace. 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 As you know the truth. You start having peace in your soul. You start having confidence in your, in your soul, your confidence in God. Now, over in Numbers 21, and I'm going to read it a little bit, even though we're, it's a very familiar story. This is where the snakes showed up to bite the people. Okay? And, you know, it was, it was one of those days. And they had many of them where the people got frustrated and started complaining about, about Moses and complaining against God and... And so here come the snakes, and they're biting people, and people are getting bitten, and they're dying. So verse 7, so therefore the people came to Moses, and they said, we have sinned because we spoke against the Lord and against you. And what could they say? They said, so pray to the Lord, and pray that he takes away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said, here's the Lord, the Lord gave him the answer. He heard the cry. He's answering. He's going to help. The Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it up upon a pole, or a poisonous serpent and set it on a pole, and it'll come to pass that everybody who's bitten, when he looks upon it, he shall live. So Moses did it, and it happened. And everybody, that when they were bitten, they lived. Now think about this. They prayed. They said, pray that God will take the serpents away. Did he take the serpents away? He made them irrelevant. He could have done that. He could have taken the serpents away. A lot of times in our life, we're just like, take the serpents away. <laughs> take the bad stuff away, and I'll finally be happy. But Jesus, that's true. That's exactly true. But, you know, that's, and Jesus says, you know, you can't get away. He says, in the world, there's tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome that. This is why people don't think we come under attack. And the truth is, they don't think we have problems when we have many. But we don't look like it, because while we're getting bitten, we're having fun. <laughs> We really are. And this just comes not because you're great or you're strong or you're super whatever. It just becomes because you know this. You know, you know you're looking at the one who was lifted up. And that, that serpent on the staff was definitely a type of Jesus. And people ask, how can Jesus be a, how can a snake be Jesus? Well, he became that very thing that was killing us. It was ugly. That snake was ugly. But he became that. 
And so God's saying, God could have said, okay, Moses, here what you do, here's what you do. He could have just taken them away, but he didn't. Or another thing he could have done is he could have said, Moses, here's the directions. I want, to, I want you to tell the people how to look for the snakes and avoid them. Tell them to stay away from the bushes and not to look under rocks. And tell them to always look down and be careful where they're stepping. And if they're walking with somebody, make sure they, they put their feet in the same footprint as the one in front of them. You ever done that when you're walking in a field and you think there might be snakes? You know, you want to step right where they've already stepped, you know. <laughs> and, or he could have, you know, could have directed those things to help them. But his, his, his point was not to look down. Don't put your attention upon that which is killing you. Don't put your attention on that which has been hurting you. Not to look at and try to do away with or to avoid what was bad or what was wrong, but to look at him. And everybody that did, when something happened, when they would get bitten, it wouldn't, it wouldn't affect them. Uh, that word bit, you know, the word, the word for, for, for serpent, the hisser, the whisper, is the word nakash. This word for bitten is the word nashak. Almost the same thing. And it's interesting. It literally means to, to, to bite, but it, um, but it figuratively meant to the Hebrews, it meant to oppress with interest on a loan. To oppress with interest on a loan. <laughs> yeah. People get, we're getting bitten, now. and so that this speaks to us about all these things that oppress. What, what are, are what makes sense to us is for us to try to get rid of what's wrong. This is why, for so many years, the church preached against sin, thinking if we can successfully get rid of sin. Then we'll get blessed. Then we'll be happy. And then we'll be all these things that we're trying to be. But we got to get the sin out was the whole thing. And that's never been the principle of the kingdom. It wasn't the principle of God in the Garden of Eden. Wow, think of that. But see, what's hard for us, what bothers us is like, but if we don't have some of that going on, how are we going to make things better in this world for, or, or in us? How, if we don't keep our eyes on the snakes and warn people about the snakes and Tell people what to avoid and what to stay away from. And this thing, I had somebody talk, you know, I was talking, been talking so much about the unconditional love and how it has the power to just change hearts where those other things that I used to do aren't relevant anymore. I don't need the pacifiers. I don't need the habits. I don't need the, the thing. I don't, I don't even need to, to make it about me or defend me or in any of that. That was my worst part. Worse than the habits that I had, it was that it was about me, and I had to I had to defend me, and I had to promote me, and I had to put me in my the best light and in the best position. Man, when you're loved by God this much, you know it's not about you anymore. You almost become invisible in a sense, where you're free enough now to just love and bless, because you're loved and blessed. So, you, and you're not needy because you're not in a kingdom that's based upon what I lack, what I need, what I want, what I desire. Because the Lord has become your shepherd and you don't want anymore. Wow. Because you're full. Not because, there again, not because you got rid of wanting, but because you got full, knowing the one who loves you, who helps you, who's for you, and truly did love us so much that he wanted nothing to stand in the way between us and again, not any mistake we would ever make. So he took all that out of the way and said, I'm just going to do it all myself because I want to be with you. What a love story. Hmm. And when you know the truth, then the hisser, you know, I used to live with 
devil right here. <laughs> See, Mike, well, you're never going to be any good. You're never going to make it. You do this. I'd be like, well, why not, devil? That's the kind of relationship we had. We were just talking all the time. And I would then I'd get I'd get mad. I'd rebuke him and I'd holler. And if he stuck around, I'd just holler louder. And if he stuck around, I'd holler louder. And you know, and and, and you're just doing all this stuff. And 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 I went through the whole spiritual warfare thing. And I'd get up in the morning and devils are everywhere. Ah, ah, you know, and there's one in that corner. Bam, got him. And and we're just I mean, because we're always we're trying to we're thinking about trying to get rid of all that's wrong. But in the new covenant here with this thing, we've got life. We've got the one thing that's right again. And it's life. And you've got life in you. And if you look more at that, you'll see that abounding naturally in your life. I promise you that's true. What do you think Jesus meant in Mark chapter 4 when he said, To him that has, more shall be given. And to him that has not, even what he has shall be taken away. He didn't just teach it there. He taught it later on in the parable of the steward and said the exact same thing. The one that risked his talents and doubled it, and not only did he double it, but when God, when the Lord came back, to him, he took the one that was afraid, because fear is based upon that lack, might not have enough. And he took that one. He says, well, give, it, give to the one that has the most. And, and he says, because to him that has, more shall be given. And to him that has not, more sh you know, even what he has should be taken away. And I didn't get that. I thought, with all due respect, sir, it, that, doesn't make, that doesn't even seem like you. You came for the unrighteous. You came for those that needed. You came for those. In, and it's like some Robin Hood kind of backwards kind of thing where you're taking from the needy and you're giving it to those who have the abundance already. And what's he talking about? And he's, he's talking about this principle here of looking at what you have instead of what you don't have and what you lack and what you need. It's time that we look at this gospel and see the beauty and the fullness of it and realize that we've already got it because if you don't, you're going to keep trying to get it. And all the things that you put up on it, are you going to attack your nakedness and your weakness and your vulnerability and try to get better and try to get stronger and try not to be sick and try not to be broke and try not to be angry and try not to sin. And you can try and try and try. And it never does work because all the preaching we've had against sin, what did it do? It just, did it stop us? You know, there is a great teaching that's coming, that's, that's, that's coming along now, and it's a really uh, teaching on grace. And some people go crazy with it like they do everything else, but there's a really great teaching about it, and, and, it's, and, uh, and, 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 and it's scaring people because it seems so nothing. And I, I remember somebody saying, well, with that kind of preaching, you they're afraid that everybody's just going to start sinning. Like, like nobody had been sinning in the church all this time. Huh? And then this guy in Singapore starts preaching this radical message, and now all the church wants to start sinning. <laughs> and before that, we didn't have any. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and because and, and what you focus on will increase. I mean, that's simple Bible. Paul even said that the ministry of condemnation, which is a preaching against it, it stirs up the passion. It makes you want to do it more. Huh? And you're fighting it because you don't want to do it. How many times have we ministered to people that, say, that wanted prayer for an addiction? They say, I hate it. 
I'm trying to stop. I mean, they're doing all they can. They go to every head squeezer and stomach pusher, and they go to every. They they beg for deliverance, and they they you know, and they they they, they cry out tears, and say, God, I'm sorry, I want, and and they struggle, continue to struggle year after year. I don't know how many times people have told me that. Men with pornography was was, was the main because they hate it. They just cry and they say, I want to stop. What's wrong with me? Say, what's wrong with me? 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 Adam found out what was wrong with him. Who told you that? I don't talk like that. I never told, I never said anything like that. I don't do that. Me and you don't have that kind of relationship. Adam, who told you that? But see, we've gone so far in the church where we hear those kind of things and we think it's God. We think it's God. Who told you that? What's wrong with me? <laughs> Are y'all doing okay? <laughs> I don't even anymore, I don't get with, I know it makes sense to us that, you know, so you pray and it doesn't seem to be working, so it's like, no, the problem is not with God, so it must be with me. God, show me what I'm doing wrong. There's still a fallacy to that because we've got to get a revelation of the fullness of this kingdom where we're not in the place where the wrong matters anymore. It's what, what's right that matters. And I found out that, that, that focusing on him, just looking at him, looking at the one above, not at what's wrong down here. The snakes were what was wrong with the people. The snakes were the what's killing them, so your logic says, well, if I can get rid of what's killing me, then I'll be whole again. I remember, you know, preaching from Jeremiah not too long ago where he told the people in the Old Testament, he said, your wound is incurable. Your, 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 your bruise is incurable. There's no medicine for your wound. All the things that, that, you, that, you, you, that you try to fix what's wrong, there's nothing that does it. There will never be a cure. But there's wholeness in Jesus. And when we see that, then now it's like this. So now it's like I get a stack of bills that's bigger than my stack of money. We get surprises like that sometimes. It's like, oh, that's the last thing we need at a time like this. But because of what we know about the fullness of God, you still feel very rich. And it's just, you're just going to walk through it again with him because it's not about what are we lacking here and how hard it's going to be now and how we're going to have to struggle now. It's just like, all I see is abundance. And it's powerful. It's a powerful knowledge because it just kind of, it happens. It's just, it's the most exciting, the fun walk. It just, it just kind of, kind of happens because that's what you, what Jesus was talking about when he says, if you just believe. But we believe our believing is based upon this finished work of Christ. Our believing is based upon, upon seeing through this work, the person of God himself and how much he really likes me. Faith works by love, his love for me. How can, you know, we talk about it all the time, but even when there's things that we just, not just need, but want. We talk about it and we say, what did we say? It'll be just like God. It would be just like our Father to do that for us. And blessings happen because we've been translated into this other kingdom where blessing is. You see that? And that way, we're not trying to get blessed. And a lot of times, when we're, because, because we get piled on, a lot of times the things of life do pile on us. Sickness is a tough thing with people because it's crying out at you a lot, you know? People say, 
Well, just don't look at it. Just look at the word. And they're like, but it's screaming pain every time I wake up in the day, you know? <laughs> so I get it. <laughs> but in all these things, he's still there to look at, even in the pain, isn't he? So he says, it's to him that has. So what it is, is what do we have? What do we have? Remember when, you know, I, I talk about how, you know, the woman, her husband died and he left her in debt and she had, had sold everything and couldn't pay off the debt. And now her boys were going to have to work as slaves to pay it off. And she was about to lose everything, including her sons. And the man of God comes to the house. And so she cries out to him and tells him all her whole problem and everything, you know. And he says this wonderful thing. He says, what shall I do for you? He says, tell me what you have. Tell me what you have in the house. Well, she's like, well, I sold the stereo and the furniture, and I got this <laughs> jar of oil. <laughs> I got nothing, she said. I got nothing but this jar of oil. Perfect, as long as you have. Because what you have, to him that has, gets increase. What do we have? We have life. We have abundant life. As we look at that, what happens? It starts to increase. This is how people ask me, Rick, I believe the gospel. I believe this, these things you teach. I how do I make it manifest? My answer to them now is you don't. <laughs> you don't. Look upon him. The Bible says, uh, says uh, commit your way to him, and he shall bring it to pass. This is an organic walk with somebody who loves you and likes you. This is a walk with somebody who, who, who cares enough to say, Call me the helper. The helper. I'll help you shop. I'll help you fix your brakes. I'll, I'll help you pay your bills. I'll help you take a month vacation in Europe. I'll help you. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Are you getting me? I'll help you. I'm sick. There's nothing else. It's just, it just keeps going downhill, and I'm getting older anyway, and we have all these reasons he says, but I'll help you. I'm life. I can help. I can quicken that mortal body. If it's broken, I can fix it. Let me help. Just look at me. Am I making any sense to you? The, the, to twist it, just the turn in the way we look at things is, to, is, is, is that, that we're not trying to fix what's wrong. We're enjoying what's right, and that becomes the reality. Does that make any sense to you? To him that has. So what do we have? Well, I have sickness. But you also have healing. What do I have? Well, I got a lack of money to do this. But you also have abundance. If you can see it, right? If you can see it. If you can see it. And what does the Holy Spirit do? He opens our eyes to understand these things that we can't get with that normal human logic. Because it's foolishness. What makes sense to us is get rid of the bad. I remember, you know, my dad was getting on my case about something like he did so much, and he was a really good man. But, but I remember saying one time, I said, why is it that you're always telling me what I'm doing wrong? And it's like you never notice any of the good things that I do. And not that I did so many of them, but I did some. <laughs> you know. And you never commend me for any of the good I do, you know. I mow the yard, you know, and all that. you know, I remember, and, 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 and he was a good man, but he was just where he was in the world, you know, and, he, and I remember, you know, playing baseball, and I remember hitting the ball off the, off the left field wall, you know, and I said, 
you know, and, and he showed up about halfway through the game. I said, did you see me hit that ball off the fence in left field? And he said, I also saw you strike out twice. And I said, and this is how, how he was, because he was always trying to improve me that way. And I said, and I was sitting there next to him outside on our little bench out in the backyard, and I said, Dad, how come you always just tell me what's wrong about me and you never say anything about the good things I do? I said, do you realize I do anything good? He says, yes, son, I do. And he goes, but it's like your pants there. And I had a hole in my knee there. He says, 99% of your, your pants are good, but that has ruined everything, and so we have to fix that. And that's not gospel, but that was the way of, of the man and the way of man, period. That was his, his sincere best way he, he wanted to help me. He wanted to, and we do that in church. We want to help. And I think because we haven't seen clearly the knowledge of life, the reality of life, and we've, we've still got some of that other thinking there in it, we think if we can get rid of the bad. So what, what do we do? We preach against the bad. And we're trying to help. We'll preach sermons about fear because we want to help people not be afraid. And what are our sermons? Invariably, they're basically the same thing. It's about here. Here's where the Bible says, talks about fear. Fear is bad. It's all bad. God says, don't do it. Be not afraid. So there you go. Quit fearing. Like we've never thought of that before. Like we've never tried to not fear. You know? <laughs> but now that you said that, Pastor, I'm going to try better to not fear. But, but it doesn't give us the ability. What gives us the ability? Perfect love. Casts it out and you just start noticing, I'm not scared anymore. I'm not afraid anymore. And it, it's where it comes back to because of him. We're looking at him. You've got a lover here today. Not only is he here, but he's a part of you. And whereas we once had the accuser that we heard mostly because of where we lived in that, that other kingdom, and we heard that sound, and it got into our religion, it got into everything. It gave us merit systems about everything. Many of our parents raised us on one. Our schools rated us on one. Our jobs did it. It's all merit, 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 merit. And we look at this other kingdom, and it's totally not that. Can anything be this free? It's foolishness to us. We benefit ourselves and the people by speaking what we have in this gospel, in this kingdom. Believe me, I've been in this a long time. I've preached against a lot of things. I found the tree of life. And there's a lot of things to preach against. And people try to pull me in. And it's very tempting because it's like they demand to know, where do I stand on this issue? You know, do you say it's right or wrong? They're trying to get me back in that tree again. And it's not that I don't have opinions, but I know that my opinion is not where the power is. It's life. It's life. Well, if we don't do something, if we don't fight this thing, America's going down the tubes and all that. And... Thank you. God, it's life. Come on. It's life. It's love. It's the power of walking in this kingdom that creation is groaning to see us enjoying. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I believe in this gospel. I believe in, 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 in my Father who loves us more than we're just scratching the surface on, and it's blowing us away. I believe in this 
work on the cross and the resurrection. You start to change. I'm here to tell you today, you're complete in him. And that's not a nice little poetry line on on your mirror. You're complete. You have it now. Isn't that good news? Welcome home. Would would you all stand up for just a moment? Are you all hearing anything? Don't you love Jesus? Aren't you thankful? No wonder there's no other way. I'd be fine if there were if everybody could just go with any religion and get there, but they're so inferior. That's just all there is to it. They're just so they're so part of this world, you know. They don't work, you know. It'd be great. I'm not, I'm not against that if it were true. But look at Jesus. And look, he's of, of all the so-called religions in the world, he's the only one that takes care of all of it for us beforehand. Your healing is a reality because that's just what happened. And I tell people, that's why we want to look at these things. Look at what we have. Look at where we're at. I tell people, you're home now. Please understand this. You're in that kingdom. He translates, you're home. You're there where it just happens. And there's a power of this. Father, right now, I thank you. I thank you for the reality of your life in the spirit. I thank you for the reality that's, that's even touching our physical bodies today. Quickening, strengthening, bringing life to that which was broken. Bringing abundance where there was tiredness and need and lack. There's life today. There's life here. There's life here to renew our strength and our youth. There's life here. There's life to bring you and turn you, turn, turn you around out and out of, from, from, the, from, from the oppression that anything this world has thrown at you. There's life here that is millions of times bigger and greater. Look at what we've got. God's not looking, waiting, trying to, for us to figure out where we're missing it. He says, just look at me. Well, I've been praying it's not working. Where am I missing it? Just look at him, please. Just look at him. Maybe where we've been missing it is that we were trying to do it. How freeing is this? Now we can enjoy God. Now we can walk in abundant life. Now his yoke becomes easy. Now his burden becomes light. I believe that we've been, you know, if you study the four faces of, of the man that, that Ezekiel saw, that I believe we've been in the, in, the, in the ox place in the church where we've been sincere and we've become strong through a lot of things. And, and, and we've learned to plow when, even when it was, everything was against us and there were rocks in the way and we wouldn't be stopped because we were committed to God. And God would help us and God would anoint us and God would enhance us and God would be there, you know, when we felt like we couldn't go on. And to God be the glory, but... And he lets the, the air take him. This is where God doesn't help us and enhance us only. And just anoint us but he he does it all and we're enjoying that because we're seeing that it's him why are you going to be healed in your body why is this happening in your body why are you getting stronger instead of weaker it's all because of him the one that lives in you when you didn't do anything to make him live in you the life lives in you no wonder creation's groaning 
creation that's hurting. We're trying to figure it out, trying to get better, make it all better. Father, I thank you for open revelation. I thank you, Father, for understanding that even when we go home from these meetings this weekend, that your spirit shows us in ever-increasing measure this beautiful walk in this life. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Is this okay? I hope it was a blessing to you. And uh, can't wait to, to preach this evening. Glory to God. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. And Brother Rick, I'm going to say this. I, I, I want to say a few things. I believe it'll fit right with what you've said. But I do ask you, if I get off base, correct me. Praise God. number of years ago, some of you will remember when this song was very popular. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. How many of you remember that song? I was, well, that's the one that Ronnie Jones used to do all the time. Okay. I was uh, with, the, with the worship group singing that one day. And as we were singing it, I was just thinking, you know, I was, I was purposely focusing my mind on Jesus. And, you know, distracting thoughts would come through every now and then. You'd think about something you got to do, a bill you got to pay or something. You know, no, no, I'm going to think about Jesus. I was singing that song. And somewhere in the middle of that, the Holy Spirit the voice of Jesus Christ spoke to me. He says, from where I sit, it's all about you. And from that day to this, it has been a walk of learning. I don't have to think about me. I don't have to be concerned about me. I don't have to work on me. Because Jesus is thinking about me. Jesus is working on me. And Jesus, if I'm on his mind, I don't have to be on my mind. <laughs> if I'm on his mind, I don't have to be on my own. And I thought there's so many things that Brother Rick brought out this afternoon that if we, if we would just let the Holy Spirit speak to you, they would fit together. Awake unto righteousness and sin not. Don't be so interested in the sin. Awake unto righteousness. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. And what the Lord has really been dealing with me now, he that cometh to God must believe that he is and he is the rewarder. The rewarder. The rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We can't make it happen. All of our faith formulas have failed at one time or another. So these faith formulas, they're in the word. They're, they're, they're things we need to learn. But they don't 
come out of a formula. They don't come out of a law. We've turned the good word of God into law. You have to say this. You have to do this. You have to think this. You can't do this. You can't. No. It's relationship. Perfect love casts out fear. And we get to the point that Jesus is so real that, yeah, we will confess by his stripes I'm healed. Not to make it happen, but because it's already here. And I just wanted to say this. I said all that to say this. I'm challenging everyone that can hear me and everyone that will hear this this message before the election. Do the same thing with our government. The heart of the rulers is in the hand of the Lord. Have faith in God. You go to the polls and you vote. You vote for the for the party and the platform that most represents God. And you ask God. But even if you don't like the candidates, you expect God to uphold your vote. And he will turn this nation into blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. God bless you. That concludes our message. This message is copyrighted by Faith Alive Ministries and may not be reproduced for commercial or resale purposes. Duplication by individuals for the purpose of sharing the gospel is permitted. However, this copyright notice must accompany all copies made. For additional information and teaching resources, please write to Faith Alive Ministries, P.O. Box 321, Prior, Oklahoma, 74362. Or you may visit our website at www.faithalivefellowship.net. Thank you for listening, and God bless you.